Welcome to What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. The coconutty is trending news and pop culture stories from around the region. Today is August 4, 2022. And from Manila, I'm Sam Beltran. From Jakarta, I'm Andrew Nasri. Boo, Manila! I want to make it. Oh, fuck you, kidding. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, We're back to like this. That? I know, okay. I know, but yeah, tell me, how was life without me? Good, good. Um, what? Uh, way less drama, obviously. Things went swimmingly all across the board. And yeah, swimmingly I think everybody enjoyed last awesome. week's episode with myself and Nikki when we had fun uh-huh. without you. But you looked uh-huh. like you had fun in Singapore and you're weird 10-day trip to singapore i mean who does that except for like i the know bougiest, the bougiest of no the shut up shut up <laughs> shut up oh my god no but yeah but i did yeah i did have fun we went for drinks with the coco team in singapore yeah so mm. we, we did get to meet the gang you know and that was that was interesting you know they took us out for street food we went to lao pasat which i heard mm. isn't like the best representation of street food, but you know, it was great. Satay was great. And then we went out for drinks and we had this big ass punch bowl that we shared amongst ourselves. And yeah, it was a fun night. I, we ended I things hope they late. I hope they didn't spill any secrets about me, especially oh, Anand. Anand did. He did spill some secrets, <laughs> but you know, I am a lady and I will not reveal them on air. So to you know, preserve your your integrity. <laughs> Speaking of that punch bowl, which I saw, I saw your Instagram stories um, mm-hmm. depicting that crazy concoction of whatever it was in there. So the first bowl we had was with rum. I guess it was a twelve-year-old rum or something. Wow! So that was pretty good. That was like a party in your mouth. That was like really tropical and shit. And like the 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 best part is that you don't feel the alcohol, and that's what the server told us. Be like. Also, you're never going to feel the alcohol in this one. And you don't. It's like literally drinking juice. That was what was so scary. Because mm. you never know. Like, you know, next thing you know, you're having your 20th cup. And it's like, ooh, why is the world spinning? But yeah, then mm. then we got another round. And, you know, because I felt like, you know, people needed some more alcohol in them. And then we got gin the second time. So, yeah, overall, great night. Yeah. And so how are your kidneys post-Singapore? <laughs> Oh my god. Well, I feel like I'm going to get a really bad scolding from my doctor. But I mean, I'm alive. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, it was it was great. I did take, you know, precautionary shit and you know, I stocked up on my meds and like, you know, I picked my battles. Like if I knew I was going to go drinking that day, I probably wouldn't have like, you know, I'd stay away from the spicy food. So, I made it out and I had fun responsibly yes indeed and all bullshit aside we're glad to have you back yay Um, that really took a lot out of me to say but yeah welcome back (laughs) oh i'm glad (laughs) that you're happy i'm happy i know you i know you missed my presence even though you would never say that out loud but yeah anyway Ha-ha. Anyway, anyway, let's move on to the top stories of the week. 
From a man painting artwork with his teepee to alien worshippers in Bangkok, Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out! Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. And we begin with Malaysia, which now has an oversupply of chicken, apparently after raising the alarm about shortages in February. And this is interesting because it's the first time we're having KL on this podcast in a while. And here to talk to us more about it is our reporter, Amina. Hey, Amina, tell us all about, you know, what's going on in terms of the chicken problem in Malaysia. All right. Okay. So... Since the last few months, I would say since like the start of the Ukraine war, probably in February, the Malaysian government already started um, listing down like certain ceiling prices for certain products, uh, one that is also poultry, chicken. The Ukraine war has uh, contributed to the shortage of chicken feed. So when that happened, obviously, well, what I heard then was that a lot of people were complaining that the chickens were coming up small at markets. And I happened to be a consumer myself. So I noticed this. Corn and soybean is, uh, Ukraine is a major exporter of corn and soybean. So it really does not help that the country is at war and this is happening. So when the chickens started getting smaller, what some of these uh, farmers were doing, they were closing down their farms. They said, we needed more time. We need the chickens to grow to a certain uh, weight. And then because chickens were growing smaller and then we were also facing shortages. So what the government did was they decided, even, even, although it wasn't so bad, actually, but they still... I think in May, they eventually decided that they were going to put an import ban on chicken. Just just to note that Malaysia produces at least 54 million chickens a month. 94% of that is for local use. 6% of that goes outside. And the country also happens to be the 49th largest poultry exporter. So this really impacted, the ban really impacted uh, countries like Singapore, yeah, so now everything has gone back to normal. And earlier this month, the Ministry of Agriculture just um, announced that we actually have an oversupply of chicken from having a shortage of chicken. We're producing so much chicken now, we are producing at least like 106% of our needs. So that's causing for the chicken, the set ceiling price for chickens to fall way below. Oh. But yeah, the, there are other problems from this whole ban thing and now with excess of chicken. So you have you gone chicken shopping lately? Like have, have they oh returned back in size? <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. They have definitely returned back in size, but the prices are a bit more now because they previously per kg, a chicken would cost you like eight ringgit 90 cents i'm not really sure how that translates into usd but now it's nine ringgit 90 cents so that's like a ringgit uh, more but i think the main problem is also why farmers are complaining is because most farmers in malaysia did not very advanced in terms of technology and farming and you give when you give a subsidy the farmers would have to claim back the rest from the government but what's happening is that they're having issues with the documentation because 
the government is just very strict about their documentation, but they want to give a subsidy. So these farmers are also making noise like, hey, you want to give subsidy, sure, but give us back our money that you owe us. But you're making that so difficult. Right. So um, just to be clear, the, the chickens are fattening mainly because of the subsidy for chicken feed that gives them more food and not through like hormonal shortcuts like steroids or anything like that because we know a certain, you know, fast food chain probably still does that. Yeah, yeah. at least from my understanding is that they are still being fat chicken feed like corn, soybean. Mm. You know, given, you know, now that there's like a sudden oversupply, do you know whether this has led to the normalizing of chicken exports in Malaysia? Because as you mentioned, you know, um, quite a number of countries, including Singapore, do rely on the chicken supply of Malaysia. Last month, the country eased the, chi- the ban on chicken exports, uh, allowing, well, I wouldn't say ease completely, but just some. Um, this is mainly on live premium chickens. However, on commercial broiler chickens, which makes up the bulk of Singapore's chicken imports from Malaysia, has remained. So, yeah, yeah that has been an issue. Uh, with Singapore, but that has also created a lot of competition when they did the ban. It wasn't very, I don't think they thought it through. If read, um, Singapore has asked Indonesia for help in yeah. supplying for the chicken while Malaysia had banned theirs. Hmm. It's a, kind of like a loose-loose situation for Malaysia. Well, oh. yeah, let's hope this existential crisis, as you wrote in your story, <laughs> does not escalate into... Uh, <laughs> A political crisis involving our three countries. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so that's why the chicken rice in Singapore was so expensive. Kidding. No. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. But it would be cheaper in time to come because apparently Malaysia's chickens are a bit slightly pricier. Mm. Anyway, thank you so much, Amina, for, for coming on board. And we look forward to catching up with you again, possibly to talk about more chickens or other things coming out of KL. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. All right. So from KL, we move on to Jakarta to talk about a matter of arguably at least of equal importance. Hmm. This huge uh, developing story out of Indonesia uh, over the past week is that the IT ministry banned access to several of the world's most popular online services and games, including Yahoo. I mean, I guess people don't really use Yahoo anymore. But um, <laughs> oh, that's so also, also PayPal. So a lot of people, especially freelancers, weren't able to get their money basically oh, that's and shitty. like yeah and 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 the gaming pc gaming platform steam and and several other games too like really important really popular games oh so the reason God. for that was that the ministry a couple of years ago they introduced a new policy requiring electronic systems providers otherwise known as pses to register with the ministry ostensibly for you know cybersecurity and user protection, but it's the policy critics say it opens up the possibility of the Indonesian government kind of like unilaterally taking down content they deem undesirable for Indonesia and also like 
could give rise to internet censorship and all that. So it's basically been mm-hmm. a worry for freedom of speech, free, freedom of expression. But when they introduced it a couple of years ago, none of these online services really took heed to the threats of bans until like a couple of weeks ago when the likes of Google, TikTok, Facebook, and you know all the services under Meta, they all registered with the ministry to avoid getting blocked. And mm. they didn't get blocked, but several of them that did include Yahoo's team and PayPal. So as you can imagine, there was huge public backlash, right? Damn. We, we need these services basically to get online for work. Oh, yeah, we need Yahoo most of all. Yahoo! Remember that ad? Oh, my God, yes, I remember. That used to be their yeah. thing. Yeah. No, but yeah, uh, no, I mean... All, Until yeah. they got zumped by Google. Anyway, <laughs> so like even some protesters this week even threatened to throw bottled piss urine Ew. at the oh office my God. of the IT that ministry. Is, but, people yeah, be but angry. They, people are so angry. So, oh but they, they didn't go ahead with that plan because the police was like, that's actually breaking the law, you know which it, it, it is. Basically, that's what it is, right? So they didn't go ahead. But, you know, that's just just to give you an idea how angry people are. Yeah. But most recently, um, as of this, at the time of this recording, the ministry rolled back on its block of the aforementioned online services. So Yahoo, Steam, and all those games on PayPal are now accessible. But they didn't say for how long, if this is going to be permanent or, or not. So we'll see. Oh my God. Imagine banning, I mean, I don't know how you say it, Dota. We say Dota in the Philippines. But yeah, imagine banning that game Dota in Indonesia. Too. Holy yeah. shit. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. And like Counter Strike, I think, is still a thing. But yeah, dude, like I feel so bad. Like, I mean, PayPal, especially because you're dealing with money. And it's like, how do you expect people to sort their shit out? You know, it's not their fault that they signed up with this provider. And it's not, you know, their fault that they're getting in the middle of this shitty shit show. Exactly. Yeah, so, so like, I mean, tell me, though, like, were the people who threatened to throw a bottle of piss, were they e-gamers? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, they're actually, like, a, a, an association of, like, student bodies. Um, oh shit! College, yeah. I, I assume I'm assuming they played Dota two in their free uh, free time. Also, Counter right, Strike right, right. that also got banned, but for right, now so- the ban has been lifted. Okay, so is the ministry known for doing this? Like, have they banned other popular platforms and services in the past? Yeah. So uh, if you don't know already, we have like an anti pornography law, right? So that has led right. to the ministry unilaterally, like even before this policy, right? That mm. in, in, in recent years, they have banned apps and platforms on legal and or moral grounds that may or may not have anything to do with the anti-pornography law. Um, mm. You know, these apps include uh, the gay dating app Blued, which was banned for its quote-unquote immoral LGBT content, and TikTok for its general negative content, and Telegram for a while for allegedly facilitating wow. the spread of radical content because, you know, the, the chats are really secure and apparently it's popular among terrorist groups. Um, but that ban oh has been lifted. Yeah. And and TikTok so, too, obviously. Okay, so, but they're really popular apps in Indonesia, right? Like, 
do you use Telegram? Like, is it a is it a thing? Yeah, yeah, it's actually pretty popular Telegram. But okay. um, I think it's second only to WhatsApp at this moment. Oh, but, uh, wait, yeah. what about OnlyFans? Is it banned? OnlyFans is definitely banned because it's okay. It's like it is basically mostly pornography, right? But um, right. Reddit and Vimeo they were banned as well a few years ago. I think twenty fifteen. Um, because they contained some pornographic content. Oh my Not, god! So if you don't have VPN, you can't access Reddit in Indonesia. But with this new PSE policy, the, the IT ministry is saying, now they're saying, oh, actually, if Reddit and Vimeo can register with us, get like the local Indonesian license, then we can reopen access to them on the condition oh. that we would be allowed to take down any content we deem undesirable. They're, they're being like uh, the internet police. Right. It's, it's not, Damn. it's looking bleak. It's looking bleak here. Okay, moving on from the internet police in Jakarta to Hong Kong, where government advisors recommend COVID-19 vaccines for children as young as six months old. That is interesting. Wow. So, yeah, I know. Like, that would be such a breakthrough if that happened. So, uh, the Scientific Committee on Vaccine Preventable Diseases and the Scientific Committee on Emerging and Zoonotic Diseases under the Center for Health Protection, um, along with some other uh, experts from their expert advisory panel, said that after a meeting that uh, early clinical trial data on three doses of the BioNTech jab, which is the Pfizer vaccine and two doses of the Sinovac jab in children as young as six months old show that both vaccines were able to produce an immune response and had no new safety concerns. So, you know, they're preparing this for the, uh, you know, in anticipation of the winter surge. And mm. yeah, and they said that for the BioNTech vaccine, they're recommending a three-dose series, uh, each dose being one-tenth of the adult dose for children aged six months to under five years of age. So experts recommend that the first two doses be given eight weeks apart to reduce the small risk of myocarditis or pericarditis associated with mRNA vaccines, which is basically when the heart muscle gets large and then it has, you know, it has difficulty pumping blood, but it's a very, very small risk. Mm. And then the third dose should be given at least three months after receiving the second dose. And yeah, so yeah. for the Sinovac vaccine, yeah, I know it's really, you know, that would be really great if everybody could follow suit. But yeah, so for the Sinovac vaccine, they recommend three doses, uh, each dose being the same dosage as in older children and adults for children aged six months under three years and following the schedule of older children. So, so yeah, I hope this gives them the protection they need because Hong Kong is no, and I mean for way stricter. Yeah, they've been, with COVID. And they've been dealing with 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 COVID for quite a long time. What's the mm -hmm. lowest age in Manila in the Philippines? Sorry, um, for in the vaccine eligibility. Right yeah, so the youngest right now is aged five. So that's like a five to eleven age cohort. Mm. But you know that would be great if we could all follow, you know, Hong Kong suit and give everybody. You know, I mean, like get those kids vaccinated as early as possible, right? I mean, we're giving them all these vaccines. Like when they're born, anyway. So what's what's another vaccine, right? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. I don't know about Hong Kong, but like here, school has started for like close to a month now. Uh, the new school year, so vaccines are important. What's Especially, the youngest age for Indonesia? Uh, right now six. So my kid mm. has 
gotten her her two jabs. Um, But we're still waiting on um, booster shots for children. Uh, The latest is that they've reduced the age to 16 to 18 from previously 18 and above for the booster shot. Yeah. I mean, you know, with with the new strains and shit and people getting crazy over monkeypox, this is a welcome, welcome development for sure. Okay, tragic story out of uh, Bangkok, courtesy of Coconuts Bangkok. Two people were killed after a U-turn bridge on Rama the Second Road collapsed. Um, oh shit! Yeah, they were killed uh, over the weekend when a beam from a U-turn bridge collapsed. So this happened at around 8 p.m. when a 10-meter-long concrete beam. Oh god. And its concrete rail guard fell onto three vehicles underneath. The accident oh killed God. a car passenger and an employee of the highways department, while two others were injured and sent to a hospital. Well, yeah, it's this is like one of those freak accidents that, like, it, it can happen to just about anyone. Anyone. Um, yeah, the, these victims had the bad luck, I should say, to, to being yeah. there at that time. Yeah. So the U-turn flyover bridge was built in 1993 and has been used for nearly 30 years. It's been under repair since June 23rd and was scheduled to have its maintenance completed in August, according to Highways Department. So we don't know if maybe it's ha- hadn't been attached right during repairs. We, we're not sure yet. The Transport Ministry God. is has ordered a committee to probe the incident and we should get a report within two weeks. But condolences oh, for all the uh, all the victims in this. I know. Tragedy. And that's really so shocking that it was supposed like maintenance was supposed to be done this month. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, I mean, if anything was gonna go awry, it shouldn't have happened this month. I mean, imagine like it could have happened sooner or later. Is what's crazy to me. Yeah, our hearts really go out to the families of the victims. Yeah. From sad news in Bangkok, we head on over to Manila, where um, Carmelite nuns slammed a movie for a malicious depiction of them playing mahjong at the height of the 1986 revolution. So I'm not sure if you know, Andra, but mm-hmm. FYI, Bongbong Marcos, the son of Ferdinand Marcos Sr., is now the president of, of the Philippines, right? So I did not know that. No, I know, right? It's fucking news, right? But anyway, so there's a movie (laughs) coming out. So it's a movie that's supposed to tell, you know, the side of the Marcuses while the entire thing was happening, like during the 1986 People Power Revolution. So, okay, quick history lesson. So the Marcuses, so uh, Ferdinand Marcus Sr., uh, Bobo Marcus's dad, was ousted after 21 years of rule uh, during the what we call the 1986 People Power Revolution, where millions of Filipinos took to the streets of a highway known as EDSA to mm-hmm. basically oppose the snap elections that he had basically run. And he was up against his rival, Cory Aquino, who later succeeded him as president after he and his family fled to Hawaii. Yeah, so basically, uh, this was in February 1986. And yeah, so Filipinos had stormed the palace. And it's not unlike what the Sri Lankans did recently. Right. So it's not unlike what they did. But this movie is supposedly, I mean, it's going to tell, quote unquote, their version of events that happened. 
And one of these events in particular was when, so the 1986 snap elections happened, right? And his rival, Cory Aquino, because she was fearing for her life, hid with an order of nuns known as the Carmelite Monastery. And they're known to be like, you know, these really reclusive cloistered nuns who just, you know, sacrificed their lives to, you know, to offer prayers for people. So they're basically like, they're that extreme, right? But then this movie did a scene where it showcases a Cory Aquino uh, playing Mahjong with the nuns. And of course, that really riled them up because, you know, this was like a height of political crisis, right? And so they had released a rare statement because these nuns, you know, they be cloistered as heck, right? So they're mm. really quiet and, they, you know, they've shut down themselves in prayer. So they released like a really rare statement that said that they were aware of the stills from the film that was circulating on social media. And said that although the nuns that were in the movie were not wearing the brown religious habit that they wear, but if these pictures are portraying the events or are alluding to the events of February 1986, then the allusion to the Carmelite order is too obvious for anyone not to see. And said that no one responsible for the production of the movie came to them to gather any information on what really happened. And basically said that the attempt to distort history is reprehensible and depicting the nuns as playing mahjong with Cory Aquino is malicious and would suggest that while the fate of the country was was in peril, we could afford to leisurely play games. And the truth was that they were praying, fasting, and making other forms of sacrifices for peace in the country and for the people's choice to prevail. And they really highlighted that it was you know a dangerous time because they were scared that the military back then, which was controlled by Marcos during the martial law era, would have you know probably found out about Coriakino's whereabouts and would have stormed the monastery, but said that they were ready to defend her at all costs. Yeah, and I, I guess more than really trivializing their contribution to restore democracy in the Philippines, what they were really concerned about was that you know these people they they're really they kind of practice Catholicism to the extreme, right? And, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of believers, they come to them and pray for their intentions. And they were really, you know, they were concerned that if those pictures would be taken as an authentic representation of ha- of what really happened, that would put into doubt the trust that the people have placed in them. Because, you know, I mean, you expect people, you know, to come to them with their intentions. And, you know, these people, they're supposed to be praying for them day and night. But then, you know, if if people feel that all nuns do is to play mahjong, then, you know, of course, that does cast some doubt onto what they really do. And, you know, these nuns, yeah, so they took vows of chastity, poverty, inclusion, obedience, and religious groups have asked to respect them. So, yeah. I see where they're coming from. So, right. this Made in Malacanang movie, right. where, how, how did it get to the point of depicting nuns playing mahjong like was there is it based on any uh, historical account of what happened or did the Mm -hmm. writers just have creative liberty to make this depiction okay so what's crazy about it is that so there were you know malicious rumors going around and Cori Aquino when she was alive she did address those things about saying something to to and this isn't um verbatim but she did say something to the effect of Oh yeah, you know, um, you know, some people they've been claiming that all we did was play mahjong because Cory Aquino is known to, you know, partake in the Chinese game. But and yeah. and then she said that, you know, of course, you know, the, the, those are really malicious rumors. And then there was another, and then you know, I mean, you know how the troll army works in the Philippines, right? And yeah. then so now the narrative is that they've released um, a spliced article, which basically 
describes Koryakino's relationships with the nuns and said that, you know, that all they did was play mahjong. But in fact, it was a spliced part of the article where it wasn't referring at all to the nuns. It was referring to socialites. And, you know, it was like mm. a really out of, it was basically, it was it was a passage that was taken really out of context and was made wow. to seem like these nuns were playing mahjong. So I, I take it you're not going to watch this movie then? Oh my God. Oh my God. I mean... <laughs> Uh, you, like, let's not even get into that. But the funny thing is, and I, I don't want to get too much into it, but so two movies about martial law are coming out at the exact same time. So you have this, you have Made in Malacanang, which is basically, you know, revising events, you know, as they have been historically recorded. And then you have another movie called Katips, which tells the story of the struggles of martial law activists during the time. So, you know, it is it is interesting that they are coming out at the same time. And, you know, it's really showing, I don't want to say two sides of the coin, but, you know, it's they're really diametrically opposed. And, you know, it's history and film and shit. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, moving away from movies, let's talk about McDonald's. Samuel, how much would you be willing to pay? Macca's. For an egg and beef sausage McMuffin. Okay, so in the Philippines, that would be something like maybe a little over 50 pesos, right? So that would be something like a dollar. So that's <laughs> how much I'd be willing to pay for that. Okay, so out of Bali, well, not technically in Bali, but out of Coconuts Bali, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna read this headline because it's pretty it's pretty ace. Mac, mm. excuse me, Australians find 2,664 Australian dollars over undeclared McMuffins bought in Bali. Uh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. What's all gone? The money in your account. Oh my god. So, if you didn't catch me in my Sky News Australia appearance, you probably... Oh my god. (laughs) You probably know anyway that the Aussies are crazy about keeping foot and mouth disease, which is uh, like an issue in Indonesia right now away from their you know from their territory okay because they have this huge this Weird huge agriculture flexible. industry blah 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 mm-hmm. right they don't they stand to lose a lot um especially with their cattle exports and let's not get into that anyway so recently the australian government fined an aussie traveler the 2664 aussie dollars oh which God. is a lot of money for let me see Two egg and beef sausage McMuffins from McDonald's <laughs> in Bali and a ham croissant because Damn. this traveler did not declare that he had those in his person when he was entering Australia via Darwin. So the pork and beef products were sniffed out from the traveler's backpack by Darwin's new biosecurity detector dog Zinta at Darwin International Airport. Oh, good doggo. Isn't uh, So, um, according to the Australian Ministry of Agriculture's official website, the seized meat products will be tested for the FMD virus, foot and mouth disease, before they are destroyed. So, every like, everybody's really loving Zinta down under right now. They think he's some sort of hero dog for sniffing out Balinacas. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. Yeah. It just goes to show okay. how serious Australia is taking the, the FMD threat. Because, you know, a few weeks ago, they're, they advised their citizens to leave their shoes behind in Bali. Before That's they pretty extreme. Their planes. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, like would the, you, the virus okay. 
can get into it, like articles of clothing and like uh, shoes can come in contact with contaminated soil and blah blah blah. I want to indulge you though. I want to indulge you because you were you were on the Australian news not too long ago. Okay, yeah. and you talked about this very de- disease. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what say you? Are there worries unfounded? As you know, as somebody from from Indonesia, do you think they're unfounded, or like, do you think they're it's totally valid? Like, do you think that finding this dude? All over two thousand six hundred Australian dollars. I mean, was it par for the course, or was it an, an extreme reaction? Well, I'm going to repeat what I said in my Sky News Australia segment. <clears throat> I said that, <laughs> that um, here in Indonesia, we don't feel like there's a crisis, especially in like among civilian life. But I understand how Australia is really, really, really freaked out about fun mouth because they are one of the biggest exporters of cattle. And apparently this disease can like cost them $80 billion in losses. So that's why they've been, they've been providing a lot of financial aid to Indonesia to tackle the disease locally. But yeah, I, I think right now Indonesia is doing its best to assure Australians that travel is fine. And I reckon that Australia too wants its travel industry up and going again. And that's why they have resisted calls to close the border to Indonesia. That's right. the government that is their government. So uh, yeah, I understand the panic there. But here it's like nothing is happening in a, with regards to foot and mouth disease. Mm. But you know what? is like the the this this story points to one i would say nasty habit that australian tourists have in bali that is a lot of them depend on mcdonald's for sustenance while they're in bali and that's pretty <laughs> fucked up considering that I know. there's so much to be to to explore culinary wise like Bali okay so so, Indonesian so food would amazing. you rather that this guy got fined for smuggling i don't know babi guling or something yes I'm, I'm absolutely like two thousand dollars for for babi guling is way more worth worth it than fucking mcmuffins for mcdonald's i know oh. and it's like i mean honestly i don't understand like why would you even take home McDonald's? i know why didn't you eat it why didn't why did you eat it on the in plane Bali. or something? Yeah, in Bali, exactly. Like waiting for your flight. I've lived in Australia. Right. And I can tell you that their McDonald's are pretty... They would be considered upscale if you compare them to the McDonald's in Indonesia. Mm. Their McDonald's are nice uh, in Australia. And like, does he have a liking towards shitty McDonald's that he had to bring two egg and beef sausage McMuffins from Bali Exactly, home? and get fined. I don't get it. it. That's so shit. Uh, yeah, you're Possibly right. Possibly the food. most expensive McDonald's meal ever. Possibly. We can't verify that yet. <laughs> we can't but verify yeah. that. Unless you can yeah, ask but, Trump, you know. Isn't yeah. the, isn't he known to be partial to the Golden Arches? But yeah. Yeah. Okay, then. But yeah, my message to Australian tourists and wherever you're from. Like, if you go to Bali, try Bobby Guling. Try Nasi Champur. Try... Like not even nasi goreng or mi goreng. Like just try. Because we're on the topic of mi goreng. I'm not sure if you're supposed to have a lot of it in Singapore, but I did have like I had it twice. <laughs> it's really good. I don't. I know. It. I love it. Okay, so from Bali we head on over to Singapore. So Andra, do you like raves? No, I'm old. Okay. 
Oh man, so I guess this isn't gonna appeal to you, but apparently Tiesto and Zed are coming over to the Little Red Dot to headline Zook Out in December. Who is oh Zed? God. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know Tiesto. I know Tiesto. I saw him live in Australia. Oh, showing your when I was young. Party. Yeah. Mm, sure, but sure. I didn't really enjoy it back then. I, I, I'm not into raves. Like I have never been into raves or yeah, dance you know, music I festivals. Like, yeah, I feel, I feel like it's, it's, it's a really preferential thing. You know, mm. I mean, I'd rather be moshing at a rock, concert a Radiohead concert. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would be moshing there. We're really not selling this story, this coconut Singapore story. So <laughs> no, go on. <laughs> okay, but for for those who do who do like raves, so Singapore's biggest dance music festival is coming back, and yeah, with some big guns to boot after a three year hiatus. So yeah, all of you guys who like to party to EDM, woohoo! Tiesto and Zed are spinning at Zookout Singapore on the second and third of December, respectively, on Sentosa Siloso Beach. So both of them are currently resident DJs of Zook Las Vegas. And this festival, so for you Tiesto fans out there, this will be his one and only show in Southeast Asia this year. So, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's that's yeah. You gotta you gotta pop a uh, freaking E for this kind of stuff. Mm, right, right, touched. right. Therefore, I've never sure. been into this kind of stuff. Sure, Jan. Wink. Anyway, so this theme is called the Futuristic City of Dreams. And organizers have partnered with the producers of Coachella, also known as AEG, to bring that vision to life. So, you know, lots of exciting stuff for partygoers to look forward to. And while the full lineup has yet to be announced, tickets start from 168 Singapore dollars for one-day passes and are already available for sale. Okay, so I'm gonna go off on a completely not not exactly a tangent, but um, on that same weekend, second mm. and third of December. I think the second might be Friday, so third and fourth of December. If you don't like EDM, come over to Jakarta where you can go to Head in the Clouds Festival. And if you don't know what oh that is, God. that is eighty eight Rising's music festival. We don't we don't have the lineup yet, but for sure we're gonna get at least Rich Brian and. Yes, and Nikki. Yes, head in the clouds. Hometown boys and girls. For sure. Oh, and possibly Stephanie Butcher too, who we interviewed like. Right. right? Oh my God. Okay. So that's three Indonesian artists. That's fun. Yes. I love you 3000, Stephanie Putri. (laughs) What? Great song. No, but you you do your thing. You wanna do you wanna bob your head, then go to um, Singapore. If you wanna, what would be the eighty eight rising equivalent? You wanna you wanna show some Asian pride, then go to Jakarta. That indeed. And that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you for tuning in. Um, do catch us again next week, same time, same podcast. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy your fresh merch at the coconut shop at shop.coconuts.co. Advertise with our in-house agency Grove. Fast, funny, digital. 
join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co slash grove. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by our journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Sam Beltran and Andra Nazri. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Vivian C.